Good evening, everyone. This is Tala with Drive Through Therapy. Thank you guys so much for joining me tonight on another episode. And as always, I'm grateful for your support and thank you for your continued shares. I see you. It is so cool to see everyone out there all around places I've never been, never even knew or out there. Uh, people are listening. So it is so cool. <laughs> It's so cool to see that. I'm so into it. So it's good to be back finally after a very good break. Uh, I was out of town for a bit, traveling, uh, running some errands, doing some stuff. And I've been sitting on this topic for a minute. And I don't know what it is about this topic. I tried to even record it a couple of days ago. And I thought I was going to deliver it this time. This is it. <laughs> it didn't work out. So I'm trying it again tonight. I'm having the feeling. I lit up an incense. I set up the microphone just right. Uh, I have my Topo Chico mineral water right with me. So it's nice and crisp and delicious with a twist of lime. So we are set to address this very serious topic tonight of revenge. And when I say that word, I think a lot of people have already been conditioned to hear uh, the concept in a variety of different ways, different different ways that we understand revenge. Some people might relate to revenge, if you're living in the Western society, to maybe books that we've grown up reading. For example, The Count of Monte Cristo is a big book about revenge. I remember reading, uh, let's see, recent books would be Gone Girl. Uh, movies that have also had strong themes in revenge that we grew up watching could be, you know, heck, any movie, I think, that is an action-packed movie where somebody's done wrong and this person, this hero, goes and seeks revenge. You know, The Brave One is one I remember with Jodie Foster, and that was pure revenge. She gets attacked. Her and her husband are taking a walk in the park. She gets attacked, I think, by a gang, and they beat them up, and basically the, she gets heavily injured, but he, he ends up dying. And so she goes and she goes out and searches for them and gets revenge. Exciting to see this type of story. We get into it, right? Whether we're reading it, we're watching it, even when we hear it from other people, read it in a newspaper, we get excited about this idea of revenge. It is almost seductive because, boy, oh boy, it makes us put order in this world. It makes us believe that we have order. Let me put it that way. I mean, we think of a beginning, a middle, and an end. And we can almost, again, get seduced into believing that is reality, that life stories in life have a beginning, a middle, and an end. But of course, there's no such thing. When I want to define revenge for us today, it is not this big, heavy-duty entertainment industry story. It is not a book that I'm referring to, or even a biblical God's wrath story of revenge. Now, the idea here is to really bring it to everyday life. We demonstrate this idea, whether we know it or not, is such a subtle thing. And revenge, in this case, I'm really saying, can be done in either uh, talking back to another person. If I, if you hurt me, I'll hurt you back. And I can do that verbally. I can do that with actions. All in an attempt to hurt someone that we have perceived had hurt us somehow. Now, again, it's a perception that we know their intention to hurt us. And right away, we want to seek justice. 
Even in a bigger scheme, we can hide under the idea of seeking justice, that we are really doing justice. But if we break it down, the undertone of all this would be just revenge, old school revenge. Now, Tala, what's the problem with revenge? Nothing, absolutely nothing is a problem with it. Nothing is good about it. Nothing is bad about it. But it does have consequences, friends, just like everything in life that we might do or entertain in our mind because we are very powerful manifestors on the inside. And because we create the world on the inside, it will manifest itself outside. So we be careful. We want to be careful, at least. When we talk about revenge, man, it is the ultimate fantasy, isn't it? That's how it starts. It starts as a fantasy. We might even think about people at work and we can create a story about a person and their intentions and say, you know what, from the beginning, when I first got hired at that place, this lady was out to get me, right? And we perceive that we are the center of this person's world and that they really make plans at night, right? Sit in front of the computer, draw out plans, (laughs) maybe a pie chart or some shit, about how they're going to come and get me at work. Like I am really the center of their world. And when they go to work, everything they do, I'm watching. Everything they don't do, I'm watching. (laughs) And then I start collecting evidence. Evidence that says somehow this person is doing an injustice to me, to everybody else. I got to stand up for everybody else. Goodness, we can twist up a story real quick all of which is just to self-serve. It would just be serving me, my ego, my need to put a an end to whatever beginning and middle that I had in a story in my head that's made up, basically. But it all is not real. Revenge. A dish best served cold. <laughs> Who came up with that shit? It's best not served at all, I'd say. Because, first of all, who is to say that I can very much with accuracy pinpoint this person's intention and they are evil and they're out to get little old me from little old nowhere? I can be that accurate in my own head. I can believe that I can, that this person is really out to get me. What if life in itself teaches the lessons that are there to be taught? If you believed in a God, perhaps you might, might want to consider including that God in the idea of the fantasy of revenge, that God will take care of this for you. Perhaps you can send it out to the universe. The universe will handle this person or at minimum. The most logical explanation is that I really don't know what this person's intentions are, but I do know that I do know this. I know my intentions and they're to harm this person, whether it's through verbal or through actions or through gossip, I'm going to harm and, and attempt to get revenge for what I perceive as an injustice, but I'm not sure I'm an accurate, I don't basically, I'm not an accurate account of what justice would mean in the larger schema of the universe of the world of at minimum this person's life i don't know where they came from what they what their beliefs are what they stand for i don't know what would make them do whatever they've they've done to offend me 
right? I don't, I don't know all that, but me seeking justice and doing it for the people is really saying that I know I am God and that I know what this villain has been up to and somebody needs to put a stop to them and teach them a lesson. And I, holy me, needs to teach that lesson. And I know exactly how to do it. Fuck. I think most of the books really give us this delusion or this fantasy that I'm the one <laughs> who's going to say just the right sharpest words I can find and just slice and dice the person right in front of me. And I could, I know how to do it. And this is what I'm going to do when I meet this person. And this, I'm going to get them back. They're going to have to pay for what they've done, but I'm no one to make anyone pay. The best thing I can do on the inside is going to set me free in so many ways that I don't know why we don't come up with this after the fantasy of the revenge that starts to play in our mind does not get does not feel good anymore. But oh no, oh no. Once the revenge fantasy starts, what's going to end up happening is that we want to fulfill it to relieve ourselves from the hate that we have within. And we think that if we see blood, we think that if we see hurt, tears, somebody getting fired, if we follow it all the way, then, because I'm right and I know what I saw, and I know, and I know, and if I follow it all the way, justice will be served because I say it is served. So once we are seduced into the idea of revenge, this fantasy starts to play out. Then the fantasy turns into an obsession if we let it keep going. And then to relieve ourselves from this obsession, we must act on it. And now that is when we've gone to the point of no return. In a lot of ways, I might just act on it and I can't take that shit back. And we don't want to go there. We want to upgrade on the inside our quality of life. So this is how we're going to do it. When I think of the ultimate story of understanding how to forgive with spaciousness real quick when somebody has offended you, I think of this Buddhist story about Buddha not excusing or not forgiving someone for uh, an act that they have done. But let me explain the story because at first when you hear kind of the ideas like what Buddha not forgiving someone, it's like, it's, it's wild. Let me tell the story. So Buddha one time was sitting in his, uh, I guess it was the Buddhist temple and he was meditating. A businessman walks in, goes to Buddha in the temple, spits at him, and proceeds to yell at him or, you know, insult him, telling him that he was so angry because his children, instead of working for him and making him money, they're sitting here with their eyes closed, meditating. I don't know what the heck they're doing, but they need to be back at work. And so Buddha simply smiles at this businessman and the businessman notices that and just walks out angrily. And so when the businessman gets home, He's reliving this act in his mind. He's wondering, just like everybody else does at first, he's like, yes, I had a right to do this. Even though deep down inside, you're like, what? I was overkill. But you'll start justifying why you needed to do it. I had really good reasons. You'll come up with the good reasons. But I mean, the good news is that Buddha did exactly the most beautiful thing, which is really allow this businessman not to retrieve any evidence except what he had done. 
Buddha only simply smiled at him. So the businessman only recalled what Buddha had done, but he had a lot of information to recall of what this businessman himself had done. And he had a lot more. <laughs> so when it clicked, because he was obsessing about it all night, it clicked for him. He goes back to the next morning and he throws himself at Buddha's feet and says, will you please excuse me for what I've done? And Buddha looks at him and says, there is no need to excuse you. You've done nothing wrong. And the businessman proceeds to remind Buddha of the whole story of him spitting at, at him and, and all that. And Buddha says, if I see this man, I will let him know that you came by and you apologized. But on my end, the person who's standing right here right now, basically, you have done nothing wrong to, to him. And so there's nothing to forgive. And everybody in the temple or in the assembly was uh, blown away because first they heard Buddha not excusing someone, which was like far-fetched, like what? This never happens. Uh, but that they understood why. Now, when I first read this story, I was, I didn't, I didn't get it. I, I didn't get it. But let's look a little closer at what this story is really telling us. Uh, and you'll, you'll know what I'm, what I'm trying to say here as the ultimate goal for all of us human beings to become when somebody has offended us and that we want to play out revenge in our mind. Now, Buddha here with this story was telling us that <sighs> saying that you forgive someone does not imply the highest form of compassion. But when a person knows that you forgave them without saying it, that is the most ultimate form of love and compassion towards another person. Because in a lot of ways, you're so generous, you relieve them from the guilt of what they've done. And you just kind of start from scratch, start from that moment. Now, <laughs> I know, I know, I know what you're saying, all, all of you out there. I can feel you. <laughs> I can hear you loud and clear all in my head saying, Tala, who the hell does this besides Buddha? Well, I don't want to become a doormat. I don't want people to walk all over me because it's, you know, because I'm not, I'm not speaking up for myself. I'm not defending myself, but that's not what I'm talking about here. This, this stuff is not all necessary. Most of the time, we don't have to be defensive. Most of that, there's nothing to prove most of the time. Most of the time, I promise you, it is your ego. It is my ego that is doing that. But if we just slow it down a bit, we'll realize that it takes a lot of discipline, a lot of discipline, my friends, to withhold, to not say something when we are angry. I don't know if you've ever done it, but it's freaking hard. <laughs> so I think it's it's opposite of what we glorify, unfortunately. In the society, we glorify standing up, speaking up. We we cause trends with certain movements and, and, and things that we say and do that uh, say we need to stand up and speak up and speak up. And we perceive a lot of glory in putting out a point of view and making sure to let everybody know that is the correct point of view and fighting for that to be seen. And so we can even say that's justice. But again, don't let all that entertainment business fool you. 
we're not trying to accomplish all that. We don't want that noise. What we do want is a higher level of conduct with our fellow human being. So we need to recondition this thinking pattern of us thinking that us withholding implies weakness and us spewing out the fires within like a dragon. That's strength. That's strength. And we shall all fight and blah, right? I mean, we need to reconsider that. Maybe the answer isn't there. If we practice it, we can. And let me just tell you how difficult it is. I'm not even, I'm not even saying this is for the weak minded, <laughs> you know, that I want to get my full rush right now. No, no, no. You'll still meet those people. I get, I get it, you know, and, and that's that. If you're still in that fun, go about your business. I ain't stopping you. You're exactly where you need to be. But I'm talking about those individuals that are willing to try something that will help them transcend emotionally, spiritually, mentally to the next level, to really release themselves from the suffering that is caused by holding grudges and playing out revenge in our minds, whether it's from a family member that has hurt us, from a friend that has betrayed us, from a lover that has betrayed us, from a husband, a wife, boyfriend, girlfriend, whatever, somebody uh, that has done us wrong and we want what we perceive as justice. We want to teach them a lesson. Let me just tell you, there's no higher orderly plan you're coming up with. If you are to be used in any form for God's plan or the universe's karma, right? Putting out karma and dharma, then you don't have to worry about you doing it. So don't even make it into a spiritual practice. It would be a selfish act if you say, I'm seeking justice. You're the only one seeking it. It is not any higher being's plan. It is your plan. And so we want to get ourselves away from being a God. We're, we're no God. We're no, we're not as big as a universe that knows all what is out there that we don't know. And so we want to stay in our own lane and hang out right there. And practicing when somebody offends us, practicing that we get to forgiving them real quick, like just getting to a point where, you know, I'm going to see him tomorrow at work and I'm going to start fresh with him. That's it. And if this happens again, well, I guess this, I start fresh again. Something happens along the way magically when we do our own cleaning of our own side of the street. Hopefully, we are triggering a beautiful response on the other side. Something's going to happen, people. But I know it ain't always bad. When I'm treating people with respect, the outcome is not going to be bad. When I am caring for people but still have appropriate boundaries, nothing is about to harm me. That road is blessed, my friends. But the second I have nasty intentions and I hide them behind the idea of I am seeking justice and it's just God's justice or the universe or karma, I'm about to play a big part on karma. Fuck it. Um, I am karma. You know, uh, when I start doing that, that's, mm, that road is not blessed. And it usually results in just nasty cyclical, behaviors. I'm opening the doors for nasty shit to come right back to me because my intentions are no good to begin with. Do you get what I'm saying? This is not my law. This is just the law of the universe or anything that you might believe in. It basically says when I do good, 
uh, usually that road is blessed. But when I invite darkness on the inside, you, you better believe friends, darkness will, will, will line your own streets as you walk. So be careful what you invite and you can justify inviting darkness in there and hide behind beautiful lightness. Like it's a really good reason to be angry at this group of people at this blah, blah, blah. It could be a really good idea to be angry at this person, at my mom, at my dad, at this institution. It could be really a good reason, but we really don't, we're not, we've gone too far, right? We've gone too far. Best thing we can do is relieve the burden by doing something that makes us feel good. And when we are generous, oh goodness, and it feels so generous when I give someone mercy and I show grace towards someone that has wronged me. Oh boy, oh boy, oh boy. It is the ultimate greatest feeling I could feel. It is, it, it feels really good. And also I know that it relieves them as well. And that, that's why it feels good is I know it's a really good relief both ways. I'm not carrying a burden and I'm attempting to relieve them of theirs. You, you're not, if you want to apologize, go about your business basically. Uh, but yeah, I forgave you before you even said anything, you know, but even better yet. Yeah. I don't even need to tell you, I forgive you. And I don't even need to ask you for forgiveness. All we need to do is let's just break bread. Let's just start right now. I brought some pumpkin pie with some ice cream and let's eat it. That's what I mean. Just right now, we could start fresh. Let's do it. Let's experiment in this way. You know, even in a biblical sense, I remember always the the verse of eye for an eye, tooth for a tooth. But there's one biblical verse that comes to mind and I'm going to read it to you right now because I have to pull it up. It comes to mind, but I didn't know, I didn't fully know what it was, but I need to read it too. It's pretty cool. This comes from Romans 12, 17. Repay no one evil for evil, but give thought to do what is honorable in the sight of all. If possible, so far as it depends on you, live peaceably with all. Beloved, Never avenge yourselves, but leave it to the wrath of God, for it is written, Vengeance is mine. I will repay, says the Lord. To the contrary, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, give him something to drink, for by doing so you will heap burning coals on his head. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. And so, a lot of us usually remember the eye for an eye, tooth for a tooth, but I like this one because it's pretty clear that we don't repay evil with evil. Basically, you don't invite or open the doors for uh, evil to come right in with your by doing evil first or back or in retaliation. <clears throat> you have to trust what you can't see, my friends. And what we can't see is that we're being taken care of. And if you're really smart, then you really can see it that we are protected and we are taken care of as humans. And so we don't worry about what we can't see. What we do is maintain a clean climate on the inside of us. Something we can live with every day, but revenge, obsession, anger, those will only eat you up like a fungus. And all they'll do is... <sighs> turn into something 
you cannot take back, something that might harm someone, all in an attempt to put out your own obsession, your own fire. We cannot be in charge of teaching lessons that are bigger than us. Our ego cannot get that far, because if it does, you risk a lifetime of obsession and burden within. It puts a scar on your soul when you harm another person. And I tell you this because when I worked in prison, you can cut the energy and the uh, the feeling, like you could cut the tension with a knife, with a butter knife when you walk into a prison because you can tell that the souls, no matter how many times they verbalize, I'm innocent or I've done nothing wrong, and you can tell that it eats them up on the inside. They know, they know, or else they wouldn't have hidden it, whatever crime they've committed and tried to get away with it right? So people that have done wrong in some way know that they have. Deep down inside, they know, like that businessman with Buddha, he knew when all the ruckus and the justifications calmed down and he saw the minimal response he got from Buddha, he was, because Buddha was so generous to give him such a minimal response, the businessman was able to see with the quietness and with clarity that he was at fault and that he was able to correct it. And Buddha knew that if this man ever came back to apologize, then he would show him the biggest act of compassion you can give another human being that knows that they have wronged or even doesn't know that they have wronged you. And that is to show them that they are forgiven, to treat them the same, to be generous with them. Now, I know it takes practice, but don't we all want to be that when we grow up? I sure do. (laughs) I sure do. But I know we can. I know with some work, we can withhold when we want to say an angry word. We can allow a person to say ugly things and for us to withhold and simply smile. And the next morning, we can give them the grace, show them the mercy and the spaciousness to start again if they wanted to. How beautiful. Thank you so much for joining me tonight. I'm sending you love. With no conditions and light to protect you and surround you. This has been an episode of Drive Through.